Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2023, we're running our annual Radiothon, where we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy the podcast. Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation with respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio station, on the Community Radio Network, with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. June the 1st was Injured Workers' Day. At Victoria Trades Hall, it was a day of discussion, some of it touching on the changes the state government wants to put in place to cut the cost of workers' compensation and the role of care dogs in injured workers' recoveries. But the day ended with a focus on silicosis, that insidious disease that increasingly is stalking the young in workplaces as varied as tunnelers, concreters, kitchen bench makers and gravestone carvers. We hear from some of the speakers and rounded off with a word from CFMEU's Jerry Ayres at the most recent May Day, who spoke about the National Union campaign to protect workers from an early grave from silicosis. But first, some union news. The Maritime Union of Australia slammed the New South Wales Productivity Commission last week for recommending nuclear power while ignoring offshore wind. The New South Wales Productivity Commission, among 60 recommendations aimed at driving productivity and economic growth, recommended the New South Wales government lift the state's ban on nuclear power while ignoring proven low-cost renewable energy sources such as offshore wind. The Maritime Union of Australia said it was staggering that the New South Wales Productivity Commission would recommend resources be thrown into small modular nuclear reactors, a technology that doesn't yet exist, instead of cheaper, cleaner, proven technologies like offshore wind. It is unbelievable that New South Wales Productivity Commission would propose a major regulatory overhaul for a theoretical technology that doesn't operate anywhere in the world, yet not even mention one of the fastest growing forms of energy generation, MUA Deputy National Secretary Warren Smith said. Australian ballet dancers covered by the MEAA, the Media Entertainment Arts Alliance, are considering strike action, saying that the 1% pay rise offered by management is untenable. The sticking point is management's refusal to maintain a clause in the dancers' contract that guarantees pay will keep pace with inflation, a guarantee that has been in place for more than 20 years to recognise dancers' comparatively short career span. Zoo workers working for Zoo Victoria that run Melbourne Zoo, Werribee Open Range Zoo, Hillsville Sanctuary and Kyambaram 
Fauna Park are also feeling the CPI pinch. Covered by the United Workers' Union, the UWU animal care workers walked off the job at Melbourne Zoo in late May in the first strike at Zoos Victoria for over a decade. UWU members are negotiating for improvements to their EBA and are fighting for some cost-of-living allowances to take the sting out of rising inflation. Similarly, workers at the major Ballarat tourist attraction, Sovereign Hill, covered by the same union as the ballet dancers, the MEAA, are pushing for a 6.8% pay rise in line with inflation. The reinstatement of weekend penalty rates and a cap on the use of voluntary labour. Management is putting an agreement to vote, but more than 82% of union members have voted in favour of a strike of up to 24 hours unless management agrees to demands which include an increased pay rise offer. The Australia Institute's finding that corporate profits are driving inflation in Australia rather than wages and employee costs has been supported by a new OECD report. The Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, is the latest leading economic body to publish research showing the important role played by historically high corporate profits in explaining the surge in inflation after the COVID pandemic. The Director of Centre for Future Work at the Australia Institute, Dr Jim Stamford, said... Companies in Australia and many other industrial countries have taken advantage of the disruptions, shortages and desperation of the pandemic to push up profit margins far beyond normal levels. In Australia, corporate profits reached their highest share of GDP ever in 2022 and that has been the leading cause of the current cost of living crisis. Workers are now struggling to catch up to prices and recover the loss in their real wages, he said. However, the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, continues to ignore the role of profits in driving prices while doubling down on its determination to suppress wage growth. The OECD analysis covered eight countries and the Eurozone, It showed that the contribution of unit labour costs to overall inflation was much smaller than in the 1970s and that higher unit profits have been the leading component of recent inflation in several of those countries, including Australia, Canada and the Eurozone. A piece of overseas news to finish which might have big ripple effects for workers across the world. This is from the US. Minnesota acts to protect warehouse workers. This was posted on the 31st of May. Minnesota lawmakers have passed a bill that would provide more protection for warehouse workers who have to meet productivity quotas a move aimed at helping employees at companies like Amazon. The bill prohibits companies from firing or taking any adverse actions against an employee for failing to meet a quota that has not been disclosed to them. 
It also says companies can't implement productivity quotas that prevent workers from taking breaks and allows the state to open investigation if a company has an injury rate 30% or higher compared to its peers. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. June the 1st was Injured Workers' Day. At Victoria Trades Hall, the day ended with a focus on silicosis, that insidious disease that increasingly is stalking the young in workplaces as varied as tunnellers, concreters, kitchen benchmakers and gravestone carvers. First we hear from Percy Pillow, OH&S officer from the Australian Workers' Union, the AWU, who was slated to give a talk called Silicosis, the new asbestos. The topic today is silicosis asbestos of the 21st century, a tradey cutting engineered stone. We still see this when we go out and look at work sites. Someone cutting with a grinder, there's a whole lot of dust. And if you look around, you would see it's a workshop and dust is everywhere. But what you don't see is the very fine dust, dust that's between 0 to 10 microns. It's so tiny that you can't see it, and that's the dust that goes straight into your nasal passage and all the way into your lungs. And after silicosis became an issue, someone, people are attempting to have some protective PPE, and here you see a gentleman using a mask, even though this mask is still insufficient to provide him that protection. This is the equivalent of an N95 mask, and these masks are meant to filter up to three microns. If you go today to a store like Bunnings, you can buy them at a dollar each. And I tell you, more often than not, the very cheap masks do not filter microns up to three. In talking about silicosis as being the asbestos of the 21st century, I thought I'd touch a little bit about asbestos as well, very briefly. So asbestos is caused by asbestos fibers, and silicosis is caused by silica particles. Okay? Both substances are crystalline in nature, and hence they problem. The very nature of being crystalline means that they sit in the lungs and they tend to affect the surrounding lung tissue, resulting in those tissues being becoming fibrous in nature. And once they become fibrous, they don't have the capacity then to allow for the exchange of gases. Both of them have a latency period in that it could take years for those symptoms to express themselves. Both conditions are caused by inhalation of tiny particles that attach to the lungs. And each have a distinctive radiological presentation. In the old days, they used to do take x-rays, and more recently they take CT scans. We as a union representing workers have a preference for a CT scan. In taking CT scans, it's been shown that there are early diagnosis of these conditions. In the case of silicosis, because the nature of those dust particles are so small that they settle at the upper portion of your lungs. And generally in asbestosis, the particles settle to the bottom of the lungs. This is generally what the physicians are finding. 
And both diseases can progress well after dust exposure is ceased. And we see this very clearly in both asbestosis and silicosis. Both diseases are caused by relatively common job materials. In cases where you've got early detection and you are less affected by silicosis or, or asbestos, your disease could stabilize. But ultimately, you know, this disease could progress. And for some people, it could lead to untimely death. Silicosis has been recognized as a disease for more than 400 years. In many ways, you know, it, if you think about it, if you reflect about it, you know, it makes you wonder. Because if you look at the pyramids, they were built 2,500 years B.C. They are approximately 4,500 years ago, these pyramids were built. And I would assume that those stone maces would have got silicosis. But it was only 400 years where a person by the name of Georges Apricola then put together these conditions and said, we think this condition could be classified as silicosis. The sad thing and the shocking thing was in Victoria, up to four years ago, silicosis was not a reportable disease. Okay. As early as around 2005, 2006, I brought to the attention of WorkSafe, several workers who had silicosis, and unfortunately, none of those work sites were visited. So, silica, you know, it's so common that it's found in quartz, it's found in sand, it's found in granite, it's found in a whole lot of products, including engineered stone. That is the Caesar stone that many people have in their kitchens. And there are three types of silicosis. And the first is called chronic. Chronic is when you have a long-term exposure with relatively small exposure to silica particles. Okay? So it takes a very long time for the condition to express itself. We have many tunnelers and many miners and concrete workers who after retirement or post-working, tend to have chest conditions. And they would go to their doctors, and the doctors would look at them and say, oh, yes, you have a chest condition. Do you smoke? And in the old days, many of them smoked, and the doctors also, well, it's a result of smoking. They wouldn't do further investigations. So many, many conditions. In fact, the majority of the older workers, that condition was never diagnosed. Okay. Uh, you get acute exposure. Ex acute exposure is when you have exposure to large amounts of silica at any one point in time. You might get a bit of suffocation. You might not express that condition, but you are acutely affected. But in more recent times, there's another classification called accelerated silicosis. This is the one that we are seeing now. This is the one that's often seen where people who work with benchtop, engineered stone, and more so, uh, you know, people in quarrying and in mines. And much of this is due to the fact that we have now uh, modern pieces of equipment, modern uh, tools that have great capacity to spin at very high speeds. They create a lot of dust. In the old days, I mean, you know, the stonemason would take his chisel and knock at the stone and the tunnelers would work with equipment that didn't generate that amount of dust. 
And that's why we're getting high rates of accelerated silicosis. In fact, we're getting people who are getting silicosis now, even after one or two years of being in the job, which was never heard of before. You know? And we are getting very young people. In fact, I think from memory, the most recent one was someone who was 22 years of age. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news, and social justice issues. Hi, I'm Joanna McNeil. Um, so I worked in a quarry. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of a background of my story. Um, I worked in a quarry. I worked in admin, 90 metres roughly from the crushing plant. I did walk around the quarry generally every single day, um, but mainly in the portable office there. Um, so that was um, back in 2013 I started. I, um, I then, well, actually I worked in safety a lot. I helped implement lean in the workplace. I did all the safety me meetings. I did the minutes for the safety meetings. I would talk in toolbox about safety. Um, I did a lot actually in safety. How did I not know about what crystalline silica dust was? I really, I still don't know how I did not know about it. Didn't even know it existed, didn't know it was in the dust, had no idea. Um, which is really disappointing because now I have silicosis. Um, I went on to maternity leave and came back in 2019 roughly. So I was working at the quarry for a couple of years, like four years, and came back from maternity leave and they saw something on my lungs. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. So I had lots of tests to the point after a year, um, I had a lung biopsy, which is absolutely horrific. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that my insurance company declined my um, claim first um, until then had my lung biopsy and then it was confirmed that I had silicosis. Um, I had a six-month-old baby at the time, so... You can imagine it's been um, really, really hard getting that diagnosis, especially when I get a phone call after my biopsy to say, hey, Joe, guess what? You don't have lung cancer. And I was like, I had no idea that's what you were testing for. So um, definitely been quite a struggle with that. Um, you know, during this whole time, I, I'm now a single mum of two. Talk about mental health. I can't even talk about it because it's next level. I just can't even open that. Um, talking about insurance companies to get to anything, I will tell you, I was earning, as a single mom, $520 a week. Because when I came back from maternity leave, they put my claim as part-time, even though when I got diagnosed, or when I was sick and contracted silicosis, I was on full-time. But so I'd been for the last few years earning $520. And I cannot get help from Centrelink because if I did, that's classified as an income. So I don't know how single mums do it. I really don't. I don't know how I've been doing it. I really, they have not been helpful at all. And, you know, you talk about your mental health. I am going through a lot. And constantly having to fight with these insurance companies, it's, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm actually just exhausted. And I've got to keep going because I have two little girls, which is really um, difficult. You know, I've been in, in and out of hospital. Um, 
I'm still waiting to get reimbursed and I was in hospital, I think it was November last year. I still have not been reimbursed. Um, you know, I got pneumonia, which then set off an autoimmune, which then gave me um, chronic arthritis and the pain was horrific. I'd rather give childbirth a thousand times over to the pain that I was in. Um, I'm constantly going to doctors. I am actually really grateful that Percy and at the AWU, Australia's Workers' Union, offered me a job. Um, I haven't worked in a long time and they know obviously my issues. And you know, they've been very flexible. I can go do all my doctor's appointments. I, you know, I can be there for my children. If I'm sick, they know my story and I'm really grateful that I've had the union to support me and back me. Um, it's been like fantastic. I just, I just want to say it is an estimate up to 600,000 Australian workers are potentially being exposed to silica dust each year across the wide range of industries. Like, to me, like, this is crazy. Absolutely crazy. I just, you know, we need to stop this and we need to rate, like, you know, I come out and talk about the silica and what it's done to me and stuff, but this is crazy. This is going to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Um, in saying that, you know, I also want to, I would like to mention that, you know, the Australian Workers Unions have a dust registry for anyone that's in the quarrying, tunnelling, cutting, anything that there is a registry because maybe you might not have it now, but you might get it in 10 years, you might get it in 20 years. But if we can just get people registered, it will help, you know, help fight this battle. Thank you. We finished with Jerry Ayres, the OH&E manager at CFMEU, who was asked to speak at the May Day rally this year. I'm here to talk to you about our building union campaign, but the broader union movement's campaign to try to rid this country of a, of a toxic product called engineered stone. And by now I think we all might know what engineered stone does and the the disease is that it's leaving behind called silicosis, but I thought it might be a, a nice little way to reaffirm and, and reinforce why we're doing this. What the CFMU are calling for is a total ban on engineered stone products by the 1st of July 2024. Why are we asking that? Because we now know that one in four workers who are working with engineered stone products and who have been in the industry prior to 2018 have been diagnosed with silicosis or other dust-related diseases. That's one in four. And we know that silicosis is fatal. There is no cure. The damage that it causes cannot be reversed. Now, a recent study by Curtin University, which was completed back in July 2022, predicted that there will be 10,000 Australian workers who will be diagnosed with silica dust diseases and a further 103,000 will develop silicosis if we continue along the current trend or path. Why is that so? Because engineered stone contains up to 95% of crystalline silica along with other toxic glues and adhesives which holds that product together. And when you use power tools to cut, polish, grind, that's when we get exposed. 
We need to start with this product because that's what's happening to these people who are working with this product. It's basic OHNS science and philosophy. The first question we ask on what we call the hierarchy is can we eliminate the toxic product? And the answer is yes. Why is it yes? Because it wasn't integral to this industry, never has been and never will be. In fact, silicosis was hardly ever heard of for up to 60 years. It's only since the late 80s and 90s and currently now that we've been using this product because it's cheap. It's cheap. The next question we ask is, can you or is there readily available safer, less hazardous substitutes? Yes, there is. Marble contains roughly 2 to 5% crystalline silica, not 95%. Limestone contains between 2 and 5%. Granite contains between 15 and 30%. What does engineered stone contain? 95%. So the two boxes that we look at to tick, can we eliminate it? Yes, we can. Can we substitute it with safer, readily available products? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. The other issues that we're, or the other, I suppose, questions we're asking government to do is ban, not just ban the use of engineered stone, but ban the importation of any engineered stone products from the 1st of July 2024. We want a mandatory accredited silica awareness trainers set out nationally for all workers and we want to introduce a national health and monitoring silicosis screening program for all workers. And we also need to ensure that there's adequate compensation and support, not just for those affected workers who are currently working in the industry, but for those workers who have had to leave the industry who can no longer work and may not be covered by workers' compensation. In closing, it brings me back to looking at the banning of asbestos. Back in the late 80s when I first started in the construction industry, we had a, a big fight to put a ban on blue and brown asbestos, but it wasn't until about 12 to 15 years later, back in 2003, when we had a total ban on all types of products containing asbestos. And I look back and I wonder how silly and how ill-informed and how naive we would have been and we would have seen to be if we believed or claimed that we can safely manage such a deadly product. And I think it's fair to say that the same medical, scientific and OHS evidence and principles that applied some 20 to 30 years ago to asbestos now apply to engineered stone today. So we'll keep fighting and we'll keep pushing the federal government for this ban. I thank you for listening. Solidarity forever, comrades. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together.
Enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter.